0: So we have been going through a series on the VBS stories. Um, We're going to be hosting Vacation Bible School here in a couple of weeks, and uh, we've been traveling through um, some of the messages that will be taught to the kids. Uh, Today is Wednesday's message, and it is on Jesus being betrayed and rejected. The video we watched was um, John chapter 13. Um, We're going to... Go from there, and we're going to be in John chapter 18. So if you want to turn there, you certainly may. One of the challenges uh, for most of us who have grown up in the church and are familiar with some of these stories um, is that familiarity. That's actually going to pose a bit of a problem. Um, We've heard a lot of these stories since we were kids, and the tendency when we are familiar with something is to kind of blow over it or not not think much about it. I I know how this story goes. I know what's going to happen. Let's just get to the end and move on. And I would ask for you to really challenge yourself to not do that today, Um, that as we approach the Word and and the story that's presented here, that that you will see it as if for the first time uh, so that the meaning that is there can change your heart. We are familiar with Judas, this man who was a disciple of Jesus, who betrayed him. Let's finish the story of the betrayal. So in John chapter 18, starting in verse 1, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, and there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, "Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me?" So this is Judas. Uh, this is his act of betrayal that he is infamous for. Um. He is the betrayer. I mean, twice in this text, it calls him a betrayer. Throughout the Gospels, that is how Judas is known. It's as if it's his surname, Judas the Betrayer. It's who he was. But what I would suggest that is that his betrayal wasn't just this episode. This was the culmination of his betrayal, but this was not really The big thing. This was not why he was known as the betrayer. This was a moment in his life. We don't know a lot about Judas through the scriptures. Um, Really, the only other point of reference we have to him um, is an event where a woman had um, poured costly ointments and perfume on Jesus to anoint him. And, And Judas speaks up and says, Why this waste? You know, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor. And John, the author of the text, steps in and says, Judas didn't really care about the poor. He was in charge of the money bag and he would help himself to some of the money there. It's really the only other point of reference we know about Judas. He's a thief and he's a betrayer. But I would suspect that if we had the ability to dig into Judas' life, if we could could dig through the dirt and find the artifacts that were left behind of Judas' life, that they would paint a picture of a betrayer. It wasn't just a moment here or a moment there. Judas' life tells a story of betrayal. And I think Jesus knew that. I think Jesus knew that even from the beginning when he first picked him. Judas could have, you know, not betrayed Jesus there at the end, and that wouldn't have changed the outcome of the story. Jesus still would have been crucified. It wasn't as if Jesus, uh, Judas gave away Jesus' secret identity, right? He didn't have some hidden hidden identity that Judas revealed and now he's out in the open. It wasn't like that. It wasn't that only a few people knew what Jesus looked like and so they really needed someone to point him out. Plenty of Jesus' enemies knew what he looked like. They had seen him teaching publicly. So it wasn't that. I mean, maybe, maybe the soldiers that were there didn't know exactly what Jesus looked like. In some of the other gospel accounts, it, it tells us that Judas went up to Jesus and gave him a kiss. Jesus says, Would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? John doesn't include that part in the narrative here. Judas almost plays more of a passive role. He just kind of brings the soldiers there. The one who plays the active role is Jesus. He stands up, he steps out. Who are you looking for? Jesus. I'm he. Again, who are you looking for? Jesus. I'm he. Let these others go. Jesus isn't hiding. He's not trying to run. He's not waiting for someone else to step in for him. In John 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. They're not capturing Jesus. He wasn't on the run, and they outmaneuvered him and outsmarted him and were able to capture him. No, he gave himself up. So I don't want us to think that Judas' act of betrayal was the cause of Jesus being crucified. Judas was a betrayer. At some point along the way, as he was a disciple of Christ, while, maybe while he was filling up 12 baskets full of bread and fish, or, or another seven baskets full, or, or maybe when he saw Jesus calm the seas, or maybe when he saw Jesus walk on the water, or maybe when he heard Jesus speaking about love and compassion and a new way to live, Or maybe when Judas had his feet washed by Jesus. Somewhere along that way, Judas rejected Jesus. Somewhere during that, Judas said, no. No, I will not align myself with him. I will align myself with his enemy. Judas willingly betrayed Christ through that. Matthew 27, verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5 say, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. And he went and hanged himself. Judas had recognition there that what he did was wrong. He knew that Jesus was innocent, that he had committed no crime, and he was remorseful. And he did what he was supposed to do he went to the priest. He went to the priest and confessed his sin. The priest was supposed to The priest was supposed to offer pardon of his sin through the blood of an animal. Judas was supposed to bring a sacrifice to be killed on his behalf so that he could be restored. Judas brought no sacrifice. The priest did not did not show him the way to repentance. The irony of this story is that Judas didn't bring a sacrifice because his sacrifice was on the cross. Judas was the betrayer, and he was known as the betrayer, but it didn't have to stay that way. Judas recognizes the error of his ways. I have betrayed innocent blood. Man, what if? What if Judas, at that point, instead of going to the priest, what if he had gone to the cross? Ezekiel thirty-three eleven says, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Would not the Lord have said the same to Judas? Would not Christ, as he's hanging on the cross, have offered mercy and forgiveness to Judas, had he but sought it? but Judas didn't and the only other alternative was death but there was another another one there there was another betrayer if you will let's pick back up in John 18 starting in verse 15 Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, which is, is John. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl, who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Skip down to 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Peter denies even knowing Christ. He denied three times that he even knew him. and for them the number 3 was a number of completion of of wholeness of it was it was the whole thing so peter denying 3 times it wasn't just like a passing thing it was total complete denial no i don't know him i don't know what you're talking about matthew 26 Gives us a little bit more information. It says, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is one of those moments where it would be helpful if you didn't know the rest of the story, if you didn't know how Peter turns out. Because at this moment, we don't hear from Peter again for quite a while. He's gone out, having denied his Lord, who just a few hours earlier he said, "I will die with you," and now he's denying him, and he goes out weeping bitterly. Some of us may have felt this, this type of bitterness in your soul because of something you've done. Some of us know what it is to be Peter in this moment to have denied Christ and to weep bitter tears. Some of us have heard the voices of condemnation that come in those moments of you are worthless. You're not good enough. Nobody loves you. He won't forgive you this time. I don't know if Peter heard those voices or not. I don't know what was going through Peter's head throughout that night and all the next day. I don't know. Scriptures don't tell us. But I do wonder. I wonder if Peter reflected back on the past few years of his life. I wonder if, if Peter remembers when Christ called him from the boat to fish after men. I wonder if Peter recalls picking up the bread and the fish I wonder if Peter recalls waking up Jesus, Lord, Lord, we are perishing, and Jesus calming the storm. I wonder if Peter recalls Jesus walking on the water to him and calling Peter out to meet him. I suspect he did. I suspect he did. I suspect he remembered Christ's words Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I suspect that Peter remembered the compassion and the love that Jesus showed to his enemies. I suspect that Peter remembered this. I suspect that if we were able to dig into Peter's life and look at the artifacts and examine them, they would show us a life of faithfulness. Yeah, There's some bumps along the way. But at one point, Jesus asked his disciples, so who do the people say that I am? Some said John the Baptist. Some said Elijah. Some said one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the promised one of God. And at that point, at that point, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, you are Peter. He renames him. His name before was just Simon, a very common name. Now he calls him Peter. You are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. I suspect that Jesus was able to examine the artifacts in Peter's life and knew the man that he was. But still, here we are. Peter has denied Christ, the rock. He's supposed to be the rock, right? When you throw rocks into a fire, they're supposed to glow hot. Peter, he melts and crumbles. He's a fractured man. He doesn't seem to be a rock. When they were in the garden, Jesus had gone off a ways to pray by himself, and he came back. In Matthew 26, it says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter had weak flesh. But he had a willing spirit. He was supposed to be a rock, but he melted under pressure. He's supposed to be the leader of the church, but he abandoned Jesus. So what would Peter do? Here's the next time we see Peter. It's in Luke 24. And they did not believe them, but Peter. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. A later account, after Jesus has revealed himself to his apostles a few times, uh, they're out fishing. Um, Peter and John and some of the others are out fishing because they're fishermen. That's what they do. And they'd had a long night with no fish. This might sound like a familiar story. And there's a man standing on the shore and he says, Children, have you not caught anything? Cast your nets to the other side. And they do. And they gather a large number of fish. And at that point, John looks and sees, and he says to Peter, it's him. Peter jumps in. Peter jumps in, and he goes to Jesus. Because that's who he is. That's what it is to be a rock. Not that he doesn't stumble and fall. It's that he gets back up and he runs to Jesus time and again because he's going to fail again and again and again. And this probably sounds like a familiar story to someone sitting in your seat right now. But do you get up and do you run to Jesus? Because Jesus is there. He is waiting to forgive He's eager to pour out mercy on each of us who would but ask. Judas is known as the betrayer because of his mistakes and because of his rejection of Christ. Simon is known as the rock. We don't call him Peter the denier. Nobody calls him that. He denied Christ three times, very publicly. But that's not how we know him. We know him as the rock because he got back up and he ran to Christ. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to come to him, not perfect, but messed up, scraped up, bruises, bleeding. That's how Christ wants us. He wants us to come to him that way and to throw ourselves at his feet. And he will make us clean. And he will make us whole. And he will give you a new name. You are not to be known by your past mistakes or your future mistakes. That's not how Christ knows you. If you are his, he has a new name for you says in Revelation that to the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes, that Jesus will give you a new name that nobody knows but himself. So right now we carry his name until we receive the new name that he has for us. And it doesn't matter what you think about yourself or what other people think about you. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed, how many times you've denied him. You may have betrayed him to the uttermost if you come to him. He has a name for you, and that is how he knows you. We're going to sing a song in a moment. My challenge to you is to dig into your life. I want you to dig in the dirt of your past, and I want you to look at the artifacts, and what story do the artifacts tell about you? Because they're going to tell a story, and it might be a story like Judas's story. But Judas had a choice, right? Even when he recognized his sin, he had a choice. He could have turned back to Christ, and so can you. You can change the story the artifacts tell through the power and love of God. Or you may examine the artifacts and you may see all these stumbles and failures and be like, man, I have denied Christ. I've denied him to save my own skin. You know, it was cold, it was late, I was hungry, I was tired. And the Spirit of God gave me an opportunity to share and I kept my mouth shut. But then I ran to Jesus. And if that's the story, that your life tells, and you're his. You're his forever, and he has a name waiting for you. So as we sing, I want you to reflect. I want you to examine your life, see who you are, and come to the cross of Christ. And pray with me. Our Father, our God, our King, you who sent your Son, to be like us, to walk on this earth, to experience pain and hunger and heartache and death, but to experience all that so that you could conquer, so that we can follow in your footsteps and that death will not have a hold on us but that we have life. We have life through Christ if we just believe. Lord, we thank you for Peter and men and women like him. God, I thank you for the Peters in this room who have stumbled and fallen, but get back up and come to you. And Lord, for those of us who have betrayed you, And feel like we have nothing to live for. Lord, may we turn to the cross and live. Through Christ, our Savior, and by his blood, we are redeemed.